Good morning, everybody, and welcome back in. We're glad that you've joined us for our continuing series through the topic of worship. We started this series by asking the question, what is worship? We, we then followed it with a lesson on why is worship so important? And from there, we went to part one of the lesson that we will be concluding today, and that is, how do we worship? Last week, how do we worship part one? This week, how do we worship part two? And so we're glad that you're joining us here. Just to real quickly review, last week we worked to, to kind of deconstruct our present view of worship. And, and we work to kind of help a lay a foundation for us to be able to reconstruct a new and, and healthier view of what worship really is according to Scripture. We did this by establishing the two cornerstones of worship. It comes to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 15. Why is this important, Paul writes? I will pray with the Spirit and I will pray with the mind as well. I will sing with the Spirit and I will sing with the mind as well. You see, it's all about the ability to partner with God using both our, our mind and our spirit. It's not about actions in a particular time. And through this process, it really helps us to distinguish the true heart of worship and that it does not fully help us to come to a place where um, we can worship without engaging both of these. To help us with that process, this, this process of reconstruction, we introduced last week a five-part statement that helped us to put some framework to our conversation. The five statements went like this. Worship is that which glorifies God. All creation has gifts and opportunities given by God. God is glorified when his creation uses those gifts and opportunities. Faithfulness, not grandeur of gift or magnitude. Faithfulness is what matters. Therefore, worship is a partnership between God and man in the faithful use of the gifts and opportunities to God's glory. So that sounds great, but how does that look in practice? How do we get to the place where we can find worship in our everyday life? Well, that's going to be our key objective this morning, how to find worship in our everyday life. As we have tried to make clear over the last several weeks, worship is all about our ability to partner with God in the moment. And that means that relationship is the basis of what worship is supposed to be, relationship between us and God. Now, just as no two marriages are the same, nor does what works for one couple work for all couples, neither will one person's worship to God look exactly the same as any other one person's worship to God. Let me put it this way. In the Darby house, there are three marriages. There's myself and Sue, there's Bishop and MJ, there's Chase and Ashton. And each marriage is, by the grace of God, healthy and happy and thriving. But none of these relationships are, are, are very similar. In fact, they're not even remotely similar. The things that Sue and I love to do and, and things that grow our marriage are not the same things that Bishop and MJ or, or Chase and Ashton like to do or that grow their marriage. But what blesses our marriage may not necessarily be that which blesses the other marriages. And not only that, but the strengths of our marriage is not the same as the strengths of those two marriages. And even our struggles don't look necessarily the same. What we struggle with, they may not. Now, be, be clear, there are some aspects of those three marriages that are the same, they're true with all marriages, those universal qualities. But it would be totally nonsensical for me to tell MJ and Bishop that what they need to do is exactly what we do because that's what we find fulfillment in our marriage. Their marriage is unique and different. And once a couple gets beyond those basic universal qualities, like devotion and love and kindness and faithfulness, 
All those other things take on very unique practices and personalities within their marriages. In that same way, there are some very basic universals about worship that we all share. And largely, those are these corporate acts that we enjoy together. But our lives of worship can be and should be so very much more than just those corporate acts. In our faith walk with Jesus, each one of us will cultivate a different and unique relationship with God. Each of our relationships will have their own unique strengths and weaknesses and their own unique forms of intimacy. And while this idea is beautiful, it makes it nearly impossible for me to offer you a clear-cut, here is how you worship sermon, because, well, that would be, that'd be outlandish. It'd be foolish. Instead, what we're going to try to do is, well, we're going to get to working as worship to bring it to something very natural, something very organic, something as simple as breathing, allowing each one of us to create a life of worship that is unique and diverse as our own relationship with God is. And breathing is the illustration we're going to use. This image of the most natural thing that we do, without even thinking about it completely automatically, we breathe. Think about it. Do you ever think about how to breathe? Do you ever notice the breaths you're taking? Probably not unless you're trying to. In fact, the only time that you probably notice that you're breathing is when you stop breathing or when something interrupts your breathing. So it's a process that you naturally do organically without thinking, automatically, and a process so essential that you couldn't live without it. What if we could get our worship to God become something as, as, as natural and central as breathing, something so much a part of our lives that failing to do so would, would make us feel like we're not alive at all? Well, breathing has three parts, inhalation, exhalation, and invigoration. So too does our pursuit of worship. We're going to use those three. Let's start with inhaling. To worship the Lord in every moment, we need to first be awake to every opportunity that's before us. Far too often, we live our lives in a way that causes us to miss out on moment-by-moment -moment opportunities to partner with God. Moments to partner with God around us in every minute that we live. Sometimes it's because we're running at such a hectic pace that we, we miss out on these moments. Th these moments all around us, and we don't even see them. We lose sight of who is standing right there with us. Sometimes it's not the hectic pace. Sometimes it's the fact that we're so distracted by the little things that have no consequence that we don't look and see who's right beside us, who's waiting and wanting to engage with us in meaningful moments of real life together. We're too busy scrolling social media or being distracted. You know, it's going to be impossible to discover and unlock a life of worship if we're not even able to pick out God in the moment and to see that he exists and to see that he's right here with us and wanting to engage with us. So the first thing we really need to do is we just need to stop and catch our breath. This is just as simple as it sounds. Breathe in. Pause. Look around. Jesus has promised, I am with you always, Matthew 28, 20, which means every moment of every day in every place, Jesus is there. It's just up to us to slow down, to breathe, to look for him. If we're going to unlock our worship, we need to find God in every moment. We need to cling to him in every moment. I know this is a difficult task, and it takes tremendous effort and intense discipline to do it. That's not a secret. Throughout the Bible, people have struggled to keep their attention on God in the moment. Habakkuk said it was like taking a post on the watchtower, Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 1. David said he was constantly listening for God, Psalm 85, 8, a discipline. 
Ezekiel was charged to hear every word from God's mouth and to be attentive to him always, Ezekiel 3.17. Micah said that he strives to look always at the Lord, Micah 7.7. This is not designed to be easy, but it is something that is life-changing. Paul in the New Testament reveals that, that trying to identify God and focusing on partnering with him every moment of every day is going to require that we, 2 Corinthians 10, 10, 5, take every thought captive. And we control our focus to make sure it's always being devoted to him. It's going to be a moment-by-moment moment rewiring of our brain to, to constantly be listening for the voice, to constantly be feeling for the presence of God. It's going to be a struggle until it eventually becomes part of our brain, just naturally connected to a constant awareness of God's presence around us. While this seems like an impossible task, how we want to see God and how we want to partner with him in every moment of every day is tangible. I think the reason this seems impossible is because we're just not viewing our relationship with God in the right light. I mean, do you and I ever forget that we're married? Do you ever forget that you have a spouse? No. No matter how intense life gets or busy or distracted, there's a person that you never forget that you're attached to. And so it should be with us and God. Our goal is to get to a point where we're living every moment with him. Like, like a spouse, so key to our identity that we literally can't forget him. To forget him would be to forget ourselves because he's tied up in every aspect of our life. Galatians 2.20, I no longer live, but the Messiah Christ lives in me. The only way we're going to get to a place of worship in our daily life is when we stay awake to God in every moment, when we're connected to him in every second, when we find every opportunity and, and every minute uh, an opportunity to worship and partner with him. We will begin to see the world as he sees the world. We'll begin to find moments to act in the world as he acted in the world. We'll begin to see doors of worship opening up to us all around us, not just in a, in a, in a weekly meeting together in this room, but a daily way, a minute by minute way. So just breathe. Breathe in the presence of God and feel him there. Breathe out. Once we find ourselves breathing in the presence of God, this is when we do the second step. We, we exhale. First, we pause. We breathe in and we find the presence of Christ in that moment. Then we breathe out into that moment our actions. This is the step that actually defines the process of us joining in the worship. Now, don't miss this. This is really critical to the process. Living in the presence of God is imperative, but by itself, it's not necessarily worship. Worship is partnership. Worship is when we act upon the partnership, when we bring ourselves to that moment. And this is why for weeks we've called it a partnership, because both are actively involved. Both are intentionally involved, God and man in partnership in the moment. And that means that we have to act into it. Our actions work in tandem with our living with God, but they require effort. And this is the step where we have to do something. So what exactly do we do? How are we to act? Well, this is where your relationship with God will begin to form a unique life of worship, a rhythm of worship. Your opportunities will be different from my opportunities. But both of them are powerful and meaningful, and they're both worship. I tend to think that a big part of this breathing out, this exhaling is acting into this moment of partnership and and it begins like this i breathe in and i become aware of god's presence in this moment and i breathe out a question what action can i take in this moment to truly partner with you god sometimes this partnership leads you to move in in big ways and, and move with big opportunities 
Listen to this. The king will say to those on his right, Come here, you people whom my father has blessed. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Why? Because I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you made me feel welcome. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer, Master, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you? Or, or when did we see you naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or, or in prison and come to see you? And then the king will answer them. I'm telling you the truth. When you did it to one of the least significant of my brothers and sisters, you did it to me. Matthew 25, 34 through 40. Sometimes this partnership is going to lead you in big things. Sometimes this partnership is going to lead you into little moments. Your own little connections and awarenesses of God will challenge you to worship in, in little moments, seemingly insignificant moments. So then, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do everything to God's glory, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Eventually, this partnership will lead you moving in, in every moment until nearly every action you're doing is worship, acting in true partnership with God. Another verse, whatever you do, in word or action, do everything in the name of the Master, Jesus. Colossians 3.17. See, once you breathe in and pause, experience the presence of God, and then breathe out in a natural action upon this connection, it, it, leaves, it leads you to a, a moving towards, towards a connection with a second-by-second -second worship, which leads us to the third and final piece of our puzzle. <coughs> Invigoration. As we begin to master this process of breathing in the presence of God and breathing out our act of worship, we will find that it has a profoundly transformative effect on our life. Not only do it, not only that, but the more we do it, the easier it's going to become. Jesus tells us that this process of existing in his presence and acting in partnership is two-sided. He says it like this, Remain in me and I will remain in you. The branch cannot bear fruit by itself, but only if it remains in the vine. In the same way, you can't bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. People who remain in me and I in them are the ones who bear plenty of fruit. Without me, you see, you can't do anything. John 15, 4 and 5. We will experience life in our partnership with him. That is to say, we will experience worship. In John 10.10, 10, he explains to us that this is, this is what life really is. This is life overflowing. This is what makes us feel more alive and more real and more significant than we ever have before. Worship leaves us with a feeling, not just a feeling, but a feeling of a deeper connection with God, a deeper meaning of our understanding in life, a deeper reason of why we're even here. Let's consider it this way. If God is truly the most valuable, most beautiful, and most lovely thing that exists in any moment, then living a life of worship is literally experiencing the most valuable, beautiful, and lovely thing that every single moment holds. Paul, building off this experience of his own personal life of worship, says it like this. For in him we live and move and exist. Acts 17, 28. Everything. When we pursue this kind of worship, when we pursue this kind of life, when we, when we pursue this kind of partnership, we find the strength to carry on in our life and pursue him and find what it means to really exist. He will leave us breathless 
until we take the next breath. So there it is. Breathe in the presence of God. Breathe out the acts of partnership with God. And feel what real life means when it's based in worship. But what if this is not enough for you? What if you're like me, still finding yourself saying, okay, okay, how? Well, you know, join the club. I can't tell you all the forms that worship will take in your own life. I can tell you that the times of worship that we share together, whether here on Sundays or in small groups or life groups or home groups or in families or other occasions, I know those will be more meaningful if we will inhale, exhale, and invigorate in. But I also know that your Monday commute your Tuesday lunch break, your Wednesday night after the kids go to sleep, we have to finish this laundry or we're all going to be nudists tomorrow. I know your Thursday office grind. I, I know your Friday afternoon family time. I know that all of these and more can become beautiful and meaningful and significant times of worship. I'd like for you to, to join us as we dig deeper in this. Bishop and I tomorrow uh, are going to do a commute video podcast. And when join, join in either one of those. And really join to as we open up more of this idea of worshiping together. But in the meantime, let me leave you with this hope and thought for this week. Breathe in. Look for the presence of God in the moment. Breathe out. Ask, what can I do to partner with you in this moment, God? And feel the invigoration of knowing that every moment, whether a grand time of corporate celebration and worship together or a mundane work over a spreadsheet, is a moment that we can spend connected with God in worship. Worship, a partnership with God as we reach up in trust and he reaches down in grace and we combine in the moment. Let's pray. God, we come before you this morning with hearts that yearn to understand and connect with you more, to, to, to really embrace what worship is. Help us to broaden our understanding and help us to, to dig deeply into a life that is connected with you, moment by moment. Every day you give us gifts and opportunities, and those gifts and opportunities can bring you glory when we use them well. And help us to partner in every gift and every opportunity so that we might connect with you, engage with you, and worship you. And find life more, meaning, more, more meaningful, more invigorating, more wonderful than we ever guessed. Help us, Lord, to find moment by moment worship in your presence. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.